Welcome to another episode of Tech Writer Voices. Tech Writer Voices is a podcast specifically for technical communicators, for people who write help content or for people who who communicate technical information in visual ways or, or through the web or whatever means. If you are a technical writer, this podcast is for you. I'm Tom Johnson. I'm the, the host and Heidi Hansen is my co-host. I'm a member of the Suncoast chapter in Tampa, Florida, and Heidi's a member of the Puget Sound chapter up in Washington State. And in this show, we're going to cover Word 2007, talk about some innovative research from Microsoft, explore tool versus industry knowledge, the slow movement, a tip for working with Outlook to control your email, the curse of knowledge, and more, wherever the conversation takes us. We're on the web at www.techwritervoices.com. When you subscribe to the uh, email notification, you can get a notification when there are new podcasts. And we certainly like to hear feedback. If you have comments on the show, on the topics, or or things you'd like to see, send me an email at tom at techwritervoices.com. I know the music was a little little bit different. I kind of got tired of the old music, and this one is just a little weird, but... I thought I'd put it on there anyway, because it's kind of cool. But uh, if you've got a good music recommendation and it's royalty-free, definitely let me know. All right, let's go to the show. I know, Heidi, that you've been attending a lot of conferences and, and meetings this week, and one of them was with Microsoft, right, where you you had some really cutting-edge presentations on scalable fabric videos and and f- some other things that I can't even pronounce. What was that like? Oh, it's really good. Uh, and actually, people should go to the website, to my blog, and watch those videos because it, it was just very, very interesting. And uh, it was it was Mary uh, Chewinski, Zerinsky, and and the most interesting thing was probably her research on multitasking, and that's where you're always getting interrupted. And so she, she was talking about how. If you're like people change windows every 20 seconds often and or what happens when somebody walks into your office and interrupts you? How does that affect your flow? And she said on your core task, which is the task that you're is in your job title primarily, you what happens is it takes you longer to get back to that. And so her her team is helping helping you uh, group your core tasks and other ancillary off to the side tasks into compartments on your, you know, when you watch those videos, you'll be able to see that, but it was just very interesting. And, and I definitely encourage people to look at her, her research and the videos that her team has done about, you know, this on a cognitive level, what happens to you as you're working and then how much time do you actually work on your core task versus doing Outlook or other tasks and some really interesting things to try and help you stay focused more on your core tasks, which is kind of her goal. I did watch some of those videos and I thought they were really pretty interesting. I wasn't quite sure if where that stuff was going to come out in. Is that for another operating system? Is that going to be some kind of download that we can do? Or what, how does that fit in with Microsoft? Right. She she is definitely going to try to get it to be in the core Vista operating system in the future, it sounds as though that will definitely happen because uh, I think the Vista people really like what she's doing. So it's just a matter of time. 
one of the things that caught my attention was that bar that goes on the left of your computer. Um, I can't remember what that was called, the group bar or something, that uh, allows you to group all your, your different windows and, and not get so cluttered. And, um, you know, my thoughts on, on that is that basically if you've got 20 windows open on your computer, there's no possible way you're getting anything done anyway, and you just need to close them and focus on, like, several things. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, that's my thought, too. There's only so much kind of attention you can devote, but at the same time, I'm, I'm one of those people who has a bunch of windows open, and then finally I just have to close them all at once. You also attended a Andrew Wilson and Donna Saxon meeting about um, manage. What was that? What was that about? Uh, the STC meeting with uh, right with Donna Saxon, former president of STC, and and uh, Andrew Wilson, and it was it was just very good. It's uh, titled "From Expense to Asset," so helping technical communication departments see themselves more as uh, and and actually at position themselves with upper management to be more of an asset and. And basically she was saying, okay, so if if upper management sees you as a cost, what are some ways that you can not, you know, get them to not see you as such a cost? And part of it can be that your department just saves the company so much money. Or if they, if your company has a mission, a mission statement or mission strategy for that year, and you can position yourselves as the person who, the, the group that really uh, helps that go forward. Uh, especially with, in relation to, you know, say, well, especially with localization. So if you could say, I can, if we, you know, if we can save the company a lot of money in that realm, or, or what if the company has the, your customers are very confused, you could be the person who, the group that to management helps demystify and solve the user's problems, you know, helps communicate to them clearly. Like last week we were talking about the HDTV. So you could be like, you could be the group that says, you know, look, we could position and maybe potentially sell more if we could position ourselves as, as the company that helps you set it up quickly or helps you, you know, helps, helps, helps basically just make your, your, you so much more satisfied. So that was one of the things. And especially, if you could do some cross department savings and efficiencies she actually had they had five strategies for making your content more powerful and i posted that to the blog but primarily it was you know look beyond your department for cross departmental savings and efficiencies and we also talked quite a bit about you know now that there are blogs and wikis and websites and internet searches and how are your users really looking for help? Because we were, they were saying that a lot of times, especially the IT people or more technical people, the first place that they'll go is to Google search. So how could you put something on the Internet, maybe on your company's site, that is one of the top hits? So they might not go to your online help, but they might go to Google. And if your help could be you know, very helpful to them after a Google search, that could be a definite asset. And the third strategy was... Wait, 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 hold on, uh, hold on. Before you get into this third strategy, I I wanted to raise a question for you. When you're trying to justify to to upper management the the value of your department, a lot of times people get into the topic of metrics and they try to measure the quantitative value that the technical communication group is giving to a company. How much money are we actually saving the company by having these great instructions and things like that? Do you... Do you think metrics are are something that um, 
are possible in in our field, or is it just one of those vague sort of pie in the sky deals that I mean, if you say, okay, my instructions are going to save a minute off of everybody's day out of 5,000 employees, and that translates into like you know 60 grand a year or something. Well, I don't know. However, that would come out. But do do metrics work in that way for you? Uh we did we did touch a little bit about metrics and and what that you know and largely that we were saying um, Donna Saxon seemed to say that you know metrics are just very difficult for technical communication departments to come up with and adhere to uh, one because our products and our departments are getting so diversified so that's one of the issues it, you know you used to write she was saying you used to write five you know primary guides user guide reference guide uh getting started quick guide you know you used to write f- this a la carte you know, almost every project would have five guides and that's just not the way it is at all anymore and so to do metrics you would you know like you would have no metrics for, say, putting up your, your team blog, you know, as as a department. So that that completely obliterates any metrics because you're not in. You know, it's so new. But now, so really, metrics could almost take a back seat. Exactly what you're saying, they could almost take a second seat to putting your department in a position to solve the user's problem. So being very innovative about, you know, the user frequently uses Google and now they can find something on our site about when they do a Google search or now they now there is a wiki and or now there is a blog that people are going to or now we do have a forum. Anything that now is you know, up there and and new they were saying as long as it's what the user is actually searching for then who cares about making you know the very best topics or the you know very most you know most thorough online help if you're really hitting hitting them you know this goes back to having feedback or whatever or tr- or having a help server where you're actually able to track and get good statistics on what which topics they're hitting and seeing and using and finding helpful and that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's so, one of that's one of your other points there in, in the five points that you mentioned that don't lose sight of the user, don't automate, but still produce materials the user doesn't want. So, so for example, let's say you have the giant online help file, right? That that uh, maybe you think, or maybe you find that users don't ever go to this. Maybe they go to user forums and they. They search Google or they do other things. I mean, what, I'm curious a little bit about what materials that uh, the presenters kind of mentioned that users might not want, but which technical communicators produce anyway. Uh, they didn't really say about that. Do you so. have any thoughts on what, what some of those might be, or, or is it too varied for the audience? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it would just be kind of what I was mentioning. But yeah, I don't know if it's yeah, it'd be very specific to your help, so or your situation, your company, your users, so what they like. But like you were saying before, the uh, you know topics might be the way to go. You know, just because that's a a kind of a happy medium. Hey, we we were talking last week about Word two thousand seven and. You know, you were just listening to some uh, Microsoft presentations and things like that. I wonder, and you mentioned that you've been reading uh, your Word 2007 book. I was wondering if you had any 
kind of feedback or or not feedback, just any deeper thoughts about about the new word? Oh, actually, yeah, I got that installed this week on my computer at work, and I think, and I was using Word heavily, and I actually haven't finished the the first look book yet, but I want to. But yeah, I I just in my own use this past week, and I also talked to someone at STC. Uh, on Tuesday night, and he said he really liked Word, and then the next day, I didn't know I was even going to get it installed on my PC, but I did at work, and then I used it, I think, Thursday, Friday, but uh, he loved it, and then I also really love it, and and I just, because all, all your same sh- uh, shortcut keys work the same, so I found myself not knowing where something was, just because I, you know, I haven't done, I didn't do any training, and I didn't, I'm not completely through this book at all, I think I'm only a third through the book, so, but it was really interesting that way, though, because every time I would right-click, uh, I would find the command that I was looking for, and every other time I would just use what I kind of knew about the way they structured the ribbon, and I was able to find everything within ten seconds and or or a minute and and so you, they say there's such a ramp up time you know oh it's it's just really going to be so different, but I found that it had a really nice flow to it, and I kept and i and I remember telling myself in my head, "Wow, I can do some tasks much more quickly and I don't really have any examples of them, but but then the other part of it is that the interface interface has changed. But really, all the, your same dialog boxes as soon as you get into the uh, so say you right click and you go to table properties. Well, the exact same table properties uh, dialog box that you've been used to is exactly the same. So I, I thought that was a little weird. You know, like it doesn't it seem a little strange that. The whole interface has this light blue kind of color. It's got this great new graphics. But then when you do penetrate into the dialog boxes and stuff, it's like the old sort of, di- or the the normal dialog boxes come back. But, but you know, there's, okay, I, I totally agree with you that that the ribbon is, is a breakthrough and it's, it's a lot better organized. It's a lot easier to find things. However, I... One thing that drives me absolutely crazy about this next this new version of Word is that you cannot customize the toolbars. You cannot customize your own ribbon part of you can't you can't create your own menu. I mean there's like this little quick menu and you can add things to it, but it's not the same as as with the current Word. The current Word you can you can add entirely new buttons, you can uh, completely rearrange the whole interface. You can you can take your styles and, and make them buttons, and you can take away the the bulleted list button and put your own and things like that. Can't do that anymore. But I think they re- they removed that feature for you know all the security issues and things like that. Yeah, I what I found was that I really liked uh, what what I found was I agree the the ability to customize that ribbon would really help. And and the thing that took me the longest was. The way they have their styles now, it's it's uh, they have a the, an icon and it's very large, and then they have your actual style that your cursor is in in the sentence is smaller, and so to me, it took me over a day to finally figure out that that was there, and that's where that was sho- was showing me my current style that was selected, and so 
Uh, I think that they could have done that a little better because I, at first, just would have I had the styles, the entire styles, uh, like list in a dialog box off off to the right, and that was working for me because it does highlight your style for you. But uh, we're just a word to the wise. You can save yourself a day just by if you can start to realize right out of the box that uh, your style in that little styles area is it's actually. At the it is it's written at the bottom of the large icon that's showing you what your font looks like, which to me was backwards. It should have been the style bigger and on top, and then what it look what your style looks like uh, smaller and underneath that. So, but as but everything else, I just really caught on. I caught on quickly, and I was actually glad that they kept all the dialogue boxes the same, so that it wasn't such a huge change all at once. So really, the ribbon is different, but if you can right-click, you can right-click and often find what you need very quickly without even refer- you know, using the ribbon too much, and then, and you can still use, you know, Control D to get into your font dialogue box and other shortcuts that are you know, very handy. So I, but I really like it. I, I thought it was intuitive and easy to use and, and seemed to help my pace a little bit as I worked too. Yeah. I like the, the style set feature. I think that's definitely something that, that, um, is really cool. So by style set, right, right now you pick a heading and you pick other sorts of formatting things, but the style sets match up all the different, um, settings so that you get one good looking document more quickly and things like that. Uh, speaking of tools though, um, alright so I was I was reading some stuff on the stc.org site, uh, an article by Doug Davis that is that was pretty shocking, well not shocking to me but but it made me think about tools in a different way. I, I'd always thought that you know the tools you know are a big part of your resume and and you you have to know certain tools to open certain doors and you know things like that. But uh, his article said said something a bit different. Um, let me just read a little part of it. He said tools are just easier to use and more powerful than they were back then. So a typical employer's expectation is that technical communicators worth their pay should be able to catch up on any almost any tool pretty quickly. So essentially, um, I'm done quoting here, essentially he says the new big thing on a resume is industry experience, not so much tools. So you don't really have to know all the different tools, you have to have experience in the industry that you're writing about. Had you read that article or do you have any thoughts about that? Right, I read your blog and when I saw that, I I found that post to be very interesting and I had not read that but I, you know, I got the summary from your from your post, but that has always been my impression for the past uh, 10 years is that that has pretty much been the standard is that what tools you know, uh, your your employer would pref- rather that you are a great writer first, and they they do think, they do assume that you can pick up the tools, but what I didn't know, but what was new to me from your blog post was the uh, industry experience and how that is highly valued. And one of my thoughts on that was that I think it is highly valued just because our field is more mature and there, you know, people are out there now who do have quite a few years of experience and that can be highly valued. But the other thing about that is that often when you get 10 years in the field, 12 years or something, you know, you often, uh, 
you, sometimes you move on, you know, to a different a different field or management, or you somehow aren't as as active in as a in, say an individual contributor who's just very efficient and effective. A lot of times you'll move on. It's it's almost as though I've seen a trend where technical communication can be, and it's not really a trend. It's just kind of an observation and opinion. Is it can sometimes be a stepping stone 